Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us and how you're listening to us. Thank you for making the sports and the world podcast a part of your day. I'm Ladarity. And I'm Chris. And I hope all of you are well and safe out there. Almost rounding the corner to the end of uh, 2020. You know, episode or two left in this year for us. And how are you doing, my man? Good, man. I'm good on that vacation life down here enjoying, well, I would say warm weather, but, you know, uh, Mother Nature had some other plans. But, you know, it feels good to be home. Yeah, I was, I was going to tell you, you brought some of that cold with you. And quite frankly, I'm not too happy about that. Yeah, no, but, I, I pack heavy. What can I say? It, it, listen, a lot of people do pack heavy. If you don't, if you pack light, then, you know, well, you, you guys get it. But speaking of packing heavy and light, let's let's go real heavy in on the college football playoff. You know, well, college football in general, the season's winding down for a lot of conferences, for much everybody. And but there were still a lot of very interesting games on the slate over the over the weekend. So, Chris, give us your thoughts on college football this week. Uh, you know what? This weekend there was uh, some good games and some uh, and some not so good games. Um, you know, kind of round the horn, um, you know, we'll kind of start in the SEC and work our way around. There was an interesting start to the, uh, the Texas A&M Auburn game. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I honestly thought that Auburn was going to pull the upset and then, uh, A&M kind of did what they do towards the end and pushed their way through, uh, you know, getting those last 17 points there at the, uh, in the fourth quarter, um, Auburn, you know, I hate to pick on your Falcons, but Auburn pulled in Atlanta and just forgot to play the fourth quarter. And uh, it, 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 it definitely showed uh, for Auburn. Somehow, Gus Malzahn still has a job. I'm still trying to figure out how. Um, but God bless him because he's, he's still just, just hunkering down in, uh, in Auburn. Um, TCU took quite the upset uh, victory over Oklahoma State. Uh, I think if most people were were betting the odds, they were probably going for an Oklahoma State victory. Uh, but the old Horn Frogs had little something extra to say about that. You know, they got those last eight points in the fourth quarter, um, and then TCU's quarterback uh, Max Duggan, you know, he went 12 for 26, 265 yards, and went one for one TD to interception. He also put 104 uh, yards on the ground. Um, and then his main receiver, Darius Davis, you know, put up 139 yards on six, six receptions with a touchdown. Um, you can't ask to play much better ball than that. And they, they played through that fourth quarter. Um, Notre Dame had their cupcake walk again, as usual, um, playing the almighty, uh, at the time, one and nine Syracuse orange. Um, don't know really what else to Kind of say this game was pretty much wrapped up and done at halftime, I think. Uh, they came out and put a little bit more pressure on the third. And, you know, the fourth quarter was kind of a decoration up top. Um, you know, uh, Ian Book, he went 24 for 37, 285, three TDs, one pick. Uh, you know, you, you can't ask for much of a better game than that. So uh, Notre Dame sitting at a high and mighty second place, uh, you know, at 10-0. They got their divisional championship game against uh, Clemson coming up. I definitely think that's going to be a different story with uh, Trevor Lawrence back in uh, and steering the ship. Uh, you know, circling through some other ones, uh, Oklahoma pulled the upset on Baylor. I think at this point we just expect Oklahoma to lose every important game. 
because um, that's just normally what they do. But Spencer Rattler, you know, he held it up. You know, he went 20 for 28, 193, two touchdowns, one interception, um, and and led the Sooners to a victory. Uh, Miami put an outright uh, – I, I, you almost want to call it law and order SVU. It was, it was a sexual assault on Duke. It was 48 to 0. Uh, Miami's still trying to remind people that they're there. They're irrelevant, but they're there at a, at a cool, calm, and pleasant uh, 10th place. Uh, and then USC thumped Washington State. Uh, the Cougars fell down. Even though they got that cool flag that's always at every college game day, unfortunately, they uh, they couldn't hold strong to uh, SoCal. It's a 38-13 loss. Alabama uh, outright dismantled LSU. Um, I think, of course, uh, Nick Satan was adamant because of last year's loss and and how it just stunned the world and you know joe burrow just kind of bent him over and and did his thing Uh, i i think they definitely we can say that alabama won with some authority this go around and showed absolutely no remorse um circling back to clemson we talked about them earlier um you know they uh they thumped uh vt 45 to 10 you can't ask for much of a uh a cleaner game from trevor lawrence he did throw a pick. He didn't throw uh, a ton of yards, but you know what? He 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 made it count when it did. They they did a lot of uh, a lot of rushing on the ground. He had seven rushes for 41 yards, so he he put two in plus the one for for uh, that he passed in. Clemson's nine and one, sitting at third place. Um, you know it's going to be real interesting coming into the stretch here because you're going to start tapping into uh, you know neither some of the makeup games. You're going to get some of the uh, you know, bowl game starting to wrap up here and it, it's going to be real, real interesting. I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how everything is going to uh, kind of come to play. You know, Clemson and Notre Dame, they play at four o'clock on uh, Saturday the 19th uh, against Notre Dame. And then of course we got Alabama uh, on the 19th as well at eight, at the eight o'clock time slot uh, circling back to us. Um, we had a, a, a lovely game against the old, the old Rocky top, uh, Kyle Trask, <laughs> you know, at this point in the game, I don't know how you can't give Kyle Trask the Heisman, um, throwing a minimum of three touchdown passes every single game, no interceptions. He went 35 for 49. He, he was under that, that magic 50 mark. I think that you and I have coined, uh, 433 yards and four touchdowns. You can't ask for a better, situation at hand uh you know kyle pitts 128 reception yards he didn't find the end zone um his favorite target with this game was actually trayvon grimes in the end zone uh you know he had 55 reception yards on two on six receptions with two tds uh jacob copeland's kind of slowly coming out of a shell he had uh, 57 reception yards with uh, one td and then of course Kadarius tony uh with 108 reception yards and a touchdown um the running game i think for florida still needs it, it still needs work to say the least. There's, there's some, some bugs and kinks we need to work out of it. But I also think another issue with our running game is we're just not utilizing it because our pass game is so strong. When you've got a, a tight end that acts like a, a wide out, another tight end, you know, in gamble that acts like a wide out. And then you've got four wide outs that essentially could go as first round draft picks in, in the upcoming draft you tend not to worry too much about your, uh, your your ground game when you can go full aerial assault, I guess. Um, Tennessee, I think their their coach is going to be in some deep water. Um, he ended up having four quarterbacks in by the end of the game. 
Um, and Harrison Bailey that uh, threw for 111 yards, JT Stroud that threw for 121 uh, Brian Maurer that threw for eight and then Paxton Brooks, uh, ended up, you know, get catching the goose egg. Um, Tennessee is definitely in, in a rough state right now. Hopefully they can figure out where they're at. Um, they, they fell victim to the Kyle to Kyle bandwagon again. Uh, you know, then the one game that I really want to have a, a pleasant conversation about is BYU in, in coastal Carolina. I had this conversation a few seasons ago with the Ladarius. Oh, and what what was that team that I that I talked about? They're a little overrated and they need to stay down on the kiddie side of the pool. Do you, do you remember what school that was? I if if memory serves me correctly, I believe you're referring to UCF. Mm, correct, UCF. So we have another case of someone's their their bridges are a little bit too big for them, and we have them falling off. And uh, looking like a fool. So BYU's quarterback uh, Zach Wilson. I, you know what? I give it to him. He has heart. He really does. His little bandana. It's cute. Uh, any team, any place, anywhere. Um, I hope he takes that off. I, I, I think that was proven that it's not the case. Now, if you look at BYU and you look at some of the teams they play. You're going to expect them to be undefeated. So let's let's take a look at here. Northern Alabama, I didn't even know they had a football team. Uh, Boise State, we know the name. Uh, on the cover of NCAA 2005, they're the hot popping thing with their cool blue uniforms and blue field. Western Kentucky, the only reason I know they have a college is because I stayed at a hotel across the street from it, and I had a friend of mine play soccer there. Um, Texas State, we know who they are. Houston, that's one of those joking teams that uh, UCF bragged about beating. Um, UTSA, I think that's University of Texas San Antonio. Um, again, I know who they are just because of relations with friends. Um, LA Tech, well, you know, Jeff Driscoll went there, so I got to make fun of them for a little bit. Uh, Troy and Navy is all they've played all season long. So you wonder why people are 9-0. and You have to look at who they play. If you and me and nine other guys padded up and went and played against the City League kids and, uh, you know, the Pop Warner, the 10- and 11-year-olds, I'm pretty sure we'd be undefeated. Now, if me, you, and those other nine guys, we go play, you know, a Division One team, well, I think we all know how that ends. Failure, just like BYU. Um, stop the hype of these overranked teams. They don't play anybody of relevance. It's the same conversation as UCF, the pretend national champions, and they deserve this, that, and the other thing. I, I didn't even know Coastal Carolina was a team. I knew that East Carolina, and I knew UNC, and I knew South Carolina. I honestly didn't know Coastal Carolina was a was a team. Uh, I, 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 I learned something. Uh, the the Chantasealers, I think is how we say it, or ch- chant, is that ch- Chantaliers? Is that is that where we're going with the little the angry looking chicken guy? I'm just gonna sum up yeah. college football on 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 this. Stop hyping these overrated teams up. I understand that we want to get more diversity and all this and that. If you want to sit at the at the adults table, you have to act like an adult. And if you can't act like an adult, then you got to sit at the kids table. And that's where BYU needs to stay. Let's stop talking about them. Give them a cool cupcake bowl game and let them beat up on the the university of, I don't know, underwater basket weaving anonymous. 
let's just we're, we're we're done. So BYU, thanks for coming, thanks for leaving, um, and that's what I got for college ball. Oh, and you know what? Hold on, I got one more thing I want to discuss with college ball, and I'm sorry because I got you a little preemptive there. This shit with the Big Ten, if this does not show bias for Ohio State, I don't know what does at this point. You 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 break the rules to cater to your needs. It's like certain things that are going on in the world that that we're, we won't exactly discuss. That we're going to bend the rules to to make sure we can get people where we want them. It's like playing a monopoly with an eight year old that controls the bank. They're just making rules up as they go. That that is the Big Ten trying to stay relevant because the almighty Ohio State couldn't qualify, and all of a sudden they can just just wave their little magic wand and make them where they can play for their their title game and try to put them in the playoffs. They've they. It it it's absolutely ridiculous. It's just it's another fine display of of Kirk Herbstreit and and this stupid committee trying to force an, a, a non relevant team like Ohio State to go play Northwestern for a Big Ten title and then they'll blow Northwestern out of the water because Northwestern's a, a a joke of the Big Ten. And then they'll say, oh, look at the diversity that they played. Oh, my God. They played one ranked team all season, and that's a team that almost beat them. So, Ohio State, I hope you come to the playoffs. And whoever plays you, I hope you are massacred. I'm going to laugh so hard and we'll make it worse. And I hope and pray that Florida beats Alabama and we're the one to stick the knife in you. Because I'm so sick and tired of Ohio State looking overrated and getting smoked time in and time out. That's my soapbox. Well, that was, you know, uh, I don't know where to start in because you made up a lot of good points. I guess I'll start with Ohio State now, like Chris Berman, and I'll circle the wagons. What upsets, and I think we talked about it in our meeting, Chris, is that what upset me about what the Big Ten did was that you essentially not only broke your own rule, Chris, you screwed the football team. Who who met the who met the prerequisite of of what the conference asked, Chris, and and I understand the people who I understand there are a lot of Big Ten coaches. I read an article where a lot of a lot of Big Ten coaches you know, are upset at this, Chris, because as to the point that you made, Chris, it becomes super obvious that you're essentially saying we'd rather watch a Ohio State in the Big Ten championship than Indiana and Northwestern. Now, Chris, for all intents and purposes, Chris, Indiana was the only team this year that pushed Ohio State. I don't know if you'll agree with me. that They pushed Ohio State, That's, Chris. Absolutely. That's what I was talking about. You look at their schedule. They played Nebraska. They haven't been relevant since the 90s. Uh, Penn State, uh, well, uh, what, what's, what's, what's their record right now? Uh, have, have they won a game? Penn State, yeah, they won. They oh, won they, they beat Michigan and they beat Rutgers. But outside of that, nothing. You know, um, th- those aren't two wins to be proud of. Uh, you know, and and you look at the, you know, Ohio State played Rutgers, haha, very funny. They played Michigan State, haha, very funny. Indiana was the only team of relevance that they even played, hence why they are only won by a touchdown at the end of the day. Um. You know, maybe Northwestern will will pull the 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 rabbit out of their hat. I've I've never rooted for Northwestern before, but there's a first time for everything. On on the 19th, I shall become a Northwestern fan at 12 o'clock. 
and hopefully the Wildcats will uh, will do their thing. But, you know, it's like you said, they screwed out Indiana just to push Ohio State in. You know, I mean, you, you if you're going to set prerequisites and rules, I think these prerequisites and rules need to be followed. And if you choose not to follow them, then why not uh, why not put Rutgers in for the, the Big Ten championship? You know what? Why don't we put Harvard into the Big Ten championship? If we're just going to break rules, let's just break all of them. It's silly. You know, Harvard was undefeated like two years ago. Why weren't they the pretend national champs? Let's put them in the Big Ten title game. I, you know, my thing, Chris, is, is that what upset, like I said earlier, it's not only the rules, but this is why I say the Big Ten, the conference as a whole, is a joke. Well, well, I'll put it this way, Chris. If you, you look at the conference as a whole, if you say you look at everybody outside of Ohio State, listen, I think I'm not going to say because I think we both know our feelings on Michigan. I wrote an article about it. That's that's how that's how personal. I write an article it's like writing a very strongly worded worded letter about how I feel about Michigan. But Chris, when you look at Indiana, I felt that Indiana was was the second best team this year. And essentially, they deserve to get there because, listen, I'm, I'm not – we could talk about COVID all day. We could. But the reality is, Chris, they follow the rules. Yep. And you're setting a very dangerous precedent because, listen, this was all agreed upon, Chris. It's not like you show up to a board meeting at 9 a.m. and you just figure out what the, the rules were. These rules were in place, Chris. Well before this Big Ten conference season started. And listen, it's my biggest thing is, Chris, you're you you screwed Indiana. There's no two, three ways about it. You did. And and here we are looking like, well, you can't say there's a sense of a favoritism here in the situation, Chris, because Ohio State, listen, they're five and oh. And listen, the rule was six games, Chris. It was six. So it's a very dangerous precedent. That's essentially saying, Chris, that the rules don't matter. And this is why, and it brings into question, Chris, something that I really didn't, you know, put thought into until until I saw what happened here, Chris. There needs to be a universal commissioner of college football, Chris. Because when you have essentially conference, when you essentially got conference commissioners doing what they want to do, Chris. It's like it's like basically chickens running the coop, Chris. It's like inmates running the Chris, it, there's no sense of law and order, Chris. Because I guarantee you there's if there's a universal commissioner, if the major sports could have it, Chris, you don't see 32 owners running, you know, yes, yeah, they own the team, Chris, but there's one universal boss. Yeah. In the NFL. There's 30 Major League Baseball owners, Chris, but there's one commissioner. And I feel that, listen, at some point, Chris, that has to be addressed because if we had a commissioner of college football, I'm talking, you know, Division One or power, however you want to do it, have one for the Power Five and have one for the non-power. However you want to set it up, Chris, because this is what happens. Because a team like Indiana gets screwed. And look. And I'll, I'll say this about Ohio State. On last week's episode, which we which we missed you by the way, I 
I talked about something called simple rating system, Chris. And it essentially put something that one thing that you like and one thing that I like. It it, it kind of balances out point differential, which I really like, and strength of schedule, Chris, which I know you're really huge on. And so there's like an upper bound, there's a lower bound of seven and the upper bound of like 24. So it can be no higher than 24. So what I did, Chris, is that I took the top four teams in the college football playoff and I ranked them based on their simple rating system. Now, it's Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. Now, Chris, out of those four teams, who do you think had the higher simple rating system, which basically balances out strength of schedule and point differential? Which of those four teams do you think had the highest SRS? It should be Alabama. Actually, it's Clemson. Really? It's Clemson. And, and But the gap is not really far, Chris, because Clemson's is 21.96. Alabama's is 21.40. You know, so you're, so the gap there, Chris, is not really that far. But you know who the lowest of the, of, of the four is? Ohio State. Yeah, they're seven. And Notre Dame's not that far behind the six. So this is why, Chris, I say this year more than ever, I don't necessarily – I factor in strength of schedule. But we got to understand, Chris, a lot of games that could have, you know, kind of has a different conversation just weren't played for obvious reasons. So I look at simple racism as a way to balance it out, Chris. And when I look at Ohio State, you know, listen, Chris, I even did strength of schedule, something you like. Out of those four teams that I mentioned, Chris, who do you think has the worst strength of schedule? I just did it for kicks. Uh, I'm going to say Ohio State. Yeah, and, and mind you, there are 100 and, I believe, 30 college football teams in Division One, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Chris, they're 92nd in the country in strength of schedule. They're 92nd. Well, the, the the best strength, and the best strength of schedule goes, once again, to Clemson at 26th in the country. And that, to me, speaks of how the ACC and the Big Ten, Chris, it's not really that different. If you really sit down and, you know, crunch the numbers like, you know, I do like at three in the morning because the gap is not as far as what people are making it to be. My biggest thing is, Chris, is this is why I say Ohio State, they need to play another game. Because listen, you're telling me that in the SEC, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure, Chris, that listen, we had to rearrange, you know, SEC rearranged within conference teams who they had to play. Okay, so if this happened, then, you know, Florida plays – I'm just using hypotheticals. Well, if you can't play Vanderbilt, you can play Ole Miss. I'm just using hypotheticals. There was always a team you could play in conference because to meet the prerequisite, that was set, Chris. So you're telling me that, okay, if you can't play Michigan, you're telling me there's not another Big Ten team you could play to meet that prerequisite, Chris. Yeah. I mean – I mean, that's the part that gets me, Chris, but I, I'll get back on the ship here. Now, when I look at the, the remaining, you know, you know, at the, around at the top 10, Chris, Texas A&M is at, you know, right down the outside at five. Florida's at six. Iowa State's at seven. Cincinnati's at eight. Georgia's at nine. So here's the thing, Chris. 
one of those teams I feel just doesn't belong, and it may not be the team who you think it is. Out of Texas A&M, Florida, Iowa State, Cincinnati, Georgia, I can I'll put it this way, Chris. As much as we don't like them, I can defend Georgia being there because of who they lost to. You see the point? I can defend it. You know, I don't have to like it, but I can yeah. defend the fact that listen, it's who they lost to. At this point, Chris, when you start looking at teams with one or two losses, you can look at you know we look at quality wins, Chris, but I can argue who do they lose to? Because essentially. Who you play, once again, Chris, it factors in, you know, what you talk about, strength of schedule, and it factors in what I like, Chris, point differential. That's where SRS comes into play. Because, listen, Georgia got the doors blown off by, listen, Chris, who hasn't got the doors blown by Alabama? Yeah. So I can defend that, and they lost to Florida. So I, I can defend that because, and, and they're ahead of them. So I can defend that, Chris. But what I can't defend is Iowa State being there. Because the teams that they beat, Oklahoma and Texas, Chris, they're not in the top 15, Chris. They're underneath. So I can't really put that as quality, as, as quality wins, in my opinion. And then, look, listen, you know, their SRS is 16th in the whole country, you know, but they play a 39th-ranked schedule in the country. But here's the thing, Chris. And this is where I say Texas A&M and Florida. What if I told you, Chris, you know, if you take our personal love for Florida, for the Gators out of it, if you just take it out for maybe two minutes, if I said this statement, if I said that Florida deserves to be ahead of Texas A&M, would that upset you? If, 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 if you weren't a Florida fan, would that upset you? Yes, because of the fact that they're both a one-loss program and you have – a&M's loss to Bama, and then our loss to A&M. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, okay. So I, I, I see your logic. And, and to show the non-bias, uh, and I, I see the logic in it. Now, it, and to, you know, to, to piggyback off that, now it is unfortunate for A&M that they play in the same division in the West as as – uh, Alabama. Correct. So right. for the conference championship, if we play Alabama, you know, sorry, you know, it sucks that, you know, yes, you did beat us, but we'd also beat the leader of your division. So that's just how the world turns. But yeah, this, this shenanigans with, with, uh, with Iowa state, I, I, I had that as a note written down and I guess I didn't read it as I was talking about it, but I, I def, they just, they have no place. They have absolutely no place. And, and 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 I'm glad, and that's the point I'm making, Chris. If you can't put Florida ahead of Texas A&M, then why are we putting, you know, that part I get. And, Chris, here's the thing. If I told you that the SRS of Florida is almost double that of Texas A&M, and also, but Florida's schedule out of is 100th in the country while Texas A&M's is 80th, it kind of it kind of bounces out. So Chris, you have to go to the tiebreaker, which is the you know who you lost to. So I I believe in this, Chris. I believe in two tests: the SRS test and the EYE test, the I test. Because Chris, the reality is, I've seen maybe I saw Iowa State. I think they lost to Louisiana. I believe the first game of the season. I believe I saw that game. 
And I'm like, that's what the Big Ten's offering. That's great. Because Chris, you and I both know how I feel about Oklahoma. I don't need I don't need to, you know, ride that schooner all the way around the prairie, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So but my point is, Chris, in this year, I look at SRS more than ever because it bounces out. Okay, do you play a cupcake schedule? Absolutely. But you're supposed to blow the teams out. You're supposed to beat the teams that are on your schedule that you're better than. You know, Chris, I use the prerequisite of, you know, the Miami team back in 01. Arguably, to me, one of the top three teams ever the last 20 years. Absolutely. Because, listen, Chris, the SRS, they were the best that year. Because, listen, that was the Big East. That's when you had Rutgers and that's what they blew the doors off of them. That's when Ken Dorsey was looking like Tom Brady. All right. You know, everything just looked open. He was throwing the guys like Shockey. He was throwing the guys. He had the ball to McGee. Chris, it, it was an NFL team. So with that said, Chris, my biggest thing is that the SRS to me doesn't fail. How do I know that? Well, Chris, the last the last six national championships from 29 from 2014 to 2019. So last year was LSU. They were number second. They were second in the country in SRS. 2018 Clemson, they were first. Alabama was fifth in 2017. Clemson was second in 2016. Alabama was first. Iowa State was second in 2014. My point, Chris, is that if you're if you have to, and if you look at their schedule, the team that had the worst schedule out of those five was Alabama. They were 22nd, but they were fifth in the country. So they were still blowing. They were beating teams they were supposed to beat. That's the point, Chris. Yeah. And and I'll circle back to BYU. Now, any other time, Chris, I would be like, okay, but they lost to Coastal Carolina by two yards. They didn't get the doors blown off of them. And listen, and their SRS is actually fifth in the country. So, yeah, it was, is there, and their schedule is 81st, but like I said, Texas A&M schedule is just one better at 80th, and that's an SEC schedule. My, my point is I'm not trying to say throw the BYU in the SEC. But my point is, Chris, we have to look at the quality. If we look at the quality of wins, we can look at the quality of losses. And to kind of to wrap up my point, I'll 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 go to Cincinnati. Cincinnati, eight no. Somehow Iowa State's ahead of them, and I think that's if, if I'm in Cincinnati, I'd be pissed because when you look at who Iowa State lost to, it lost to Louisiana. They're in the top twenty. Yippee, you know, great, you know, great for the program. Good for them, just like Coastal Carolina. Great for them, Chris. But if you're saying that Oklahoma and Texas are quality wins, Chris, and one of those coaches may not be there next year, Chris, if I was Cincinnati, I'd be upset. Because I'm not defending, you know, non-Power 5 schools, Chris, but when you look at SRS, it makes a big difference because if their schedule is trash, then, Chris, you should be blowing out teams by 50. Or, you know, 20, 30, you know, whatever, you know, by big margin. And this is the point I say why people say, well, Alabama doesn't play anybody. Well, Alabama destroys anybody who they play. That's why they're second in the country in SRS. Because is their schedule, you know, okay, fine. But, Chris, they, they stump the mud hole for people. So that's why I say SRS gives us the balance. And as I just read, the last six, no, no one fell further than fifth. Chris, the last six national champions. You know why? Listen, the schedule is important. I agree with you there, Chris. But 
you take the scheduling and you amalgamate it with blowing out teams, you know, point differential, it matters. It, it matters to me. So when I look at a team like Iowa State there ahead of Cincinnati, I'd be upset. I can justify Georgia being there because of who they lost to. Listen, Chris, they don't have a quarterback in there in the whole state of Georgia. You know, wasn't var- you know, listen, get that guy from Varsity Blue, that Jonathan Moxon. Get somebody, Chris. They got nobody <laughs> at quarterback at Georgia. They got nobody. They got nobody. The one to one Mathis, he went to the transfer portal. That's uh, they have no, no quarterback. And yeah, I can sit here and rag on Georgia, but who they lost to. The reason why their point why their SRS is at 17th at 10.4 acres. They play a lot of close games in the first half, and then they kind of figure it out in the second half against teams. I think Kentucky, like they figured out it was Kentucky, and then all of a sudden started scoring points. But, but you know, like I say, my, my biggest takeaway is this, Chris, is is that Al- Notre Dame, Clemson, Alabama, Florida, those are the two important games coming up, without question. Oh, because if you're if you're Clemson, if you beat Notre Dame, Chris, then what do you do with Notre Dame? Now there's one loss. And sing, so, sing a song about it. Yeah, you know, and they're gonna go down the yellow brick road and <laughs> they won't be going to Kansas. Because so then Notre Dame is out. Because now, so that if Florida beat listen, that's why I say, folks, just worry about the conference championships. Listen, Texas A&M, listen, any other year that Alabama decided not to play, they'd probably, you know, but listen, I don't make the rules, Chris. We don't make the schedule. But so I'm pretty sure we'll talk about more of that next week. And then some. But speaking of this week, let's talk about the NFL, Chris. And oh, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah, let's just say that something, and like I say, you missed like last week's episode. I talked about how I felt a certain team was not what they were, you know, it was not what they are. Because Chris, like I say, that EYE test, you know, is a better, you know, it bounces out the number test. And a lot of teams, I felt a lot of great road wins. I felt by a lot of teams who had to win. So. With that being said, Chris, give us your thoughts and your recap uh, of the NFL. So, uh, like we talked, um, you know, kind of pregame before we got on here. So, naturally, uh, I'm still on vacation mode. So, I didn't get a ton of time to watch uh, a lot of the games like I normally do. The few that I did get to catch, um, I, I did have a chance and opportunity to watch the Jets and the Raiders. Um I think I, I I almost think at this point that the Jets are just purposely. I feel like the team is trying to win and the coach is trying to lose. And and I know that sounds crazy as hell, but you look at the Jets. You know they they put up 15 points in the fourth quarter to get them the victory, and then we just just throw it away. I mean it's. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what type of, of defensive scheme that they thought would work. But, you know, what what the D.C. called and what happened as well. That's just Jets tradition. Somehow, some way, our defensive coordinator gets fired. But 
Adam Gay still has a job. I, I, you know, that is a mystery of the world. It, you wonder how the pyramids got built. You wonder if there's aliens. You wonder how thermonuclear dynamics works. And then you wonder how Adam Gay still has a job. It, it just, it's, it's, it's just one of those things. Um, you know, on the other side of the Meadowlands, uh, a team I actually want to throw some props to are the Giants. Um, you know, Seattle is no slouch of a team. Um, I think they're doing significantly worse this season than um, we all thought. And I definitely think they have some buyer's remorse with Jamal Adams. Um, somehow Colt McCoy comes out and <laughs> wins a game for the Giants that put them in first place in the division at five and seven. I just, it's, it's just it's things like this that you can't you you literally can't make up. Um, you know, but most importantly, the Giants played immaculately on defense. And I think that's, they're a very underrated defense in the NFL. And I think they got put on, uh, put on notice, uh, this week. So I'm happy for them, um, to, to see them thriving and, and actually doing something, you know, another team that I think both you and I were, made fun of over the years. And I, I even think you might have busted my balls earlier in the season when I said Cleveland could be a, a playoff contention team. And, and and I think I think the look on your face was was you almost wanted to laugh at me. And then we see where Cleveland is right now and it's like, oh shit. How is this? And here we are. You know, they're they're nine and three. Uh you know, they, they they beat the Titans in epic fashion. And, I mean, Baker Mayfield out there throwing for 334 yards and four touchdowns. Nick Chubb out there rushing for 80 yards and a touchdown. They're playing solid defense. I don't know how uh, – I, I don't know how you can't look at them and say, you know, that's a complete program. They're playing good on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, it, it's it's a win-win situation. Um, some other games, yeah, the Patriots came out with authority against the Chargers. Um, even with the return of uh, uh, of Austin Eckler, they didn't do much. I mean, Patriots were just playing immaculate ball, both offense and defense. Um, I mean, you know, Cam Newton rushed for two touchdowns, plus through one. Um, Damian Harris had 80 yards. Sony Michelle had 35. I mean, New England's definitely trying to to stay relevant. I mean, they're six and six. Uh, I mean, they're de- they're definitely showing some some optimism. I think whether New England or excuse me, whether Cam Newton keeps his job or not, and New England possibly goes for a new quarterback in the draft. You know, we don't know. There are some talented quarterbacks that are going to be entering the draft. I'd, I'd, I'd hate to see Kyle Trask go there, but there's a lot of opportunity for him, as much as I'd hate seeing a Gator wear a, a Patriots jersey. Um, but I don't know if the Chargers forgot that they had a game this week or what it was, but um, it, it got ugly quick, fast, in a hurry there. Uh, and then the last one is the the Packers and the Eagles. And, and you know, we have uh, – we have, you know, you can have a Glock and a sock. You can have a Sig on a fig, uh, an Elf on a shelf. Um, now we have a Wentz on a bench. <laughs> you know, uh, living up where I'm at 
uh, you know, I'm so close to Philadelphia and all the sports syndicates up there. Um, all the high hopes that they had for wins. I think I think they just need to abandon ship on him. Uh, Jalen Hurts definitely proved that he's a more competent quarterback and just a more competent player all the way around. Um, I think Wentz just he, he I, I think it's his time to go. Um, once again, the Eagles just I mean, I you know they made a good fourth quarter comeback. But at the end of the day, it just still wasn't enough. Aaron Rodgers out there just doing Aaron Rodgers things, you know, 295 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Aaron Jones with 130 yards with a touchdown. Uh, Devontae Adams with 120 reception, 121 reception yards with two touchdowns. Uh, I mean, you, you, you can't ask for a better Green Bay. I mean, they're 9-3 they're and three right now. I think this is a team that you busted my balls on because I was telling you that they were going to eat some crow uh, – this season, but even I can stand corrected and admit when I'm wrong, which is few and far in between. So let's, uh, let's document that in the history books. And then last but not least is, uh, Pittsburgh. I I think that's a team that I, um, I think I said on more than one occasion, they were cutting it close. I think they finally just ran out of steam and it, the irony of it being the Washington, a team that doesn't even have a name beats the only undefeated team. Um, but most importantly with that game is Alex Smith. I can't talk enough about the, the story of Alex Smith and um, just the comeback, you know, just going from an elite quarterback to kind of just getting disheveled out by, by mediocrity facing a severe injury and then coming back and just tearing the field up. If that's not tenacity, I don't know what is. If you're, if, if you have a child and you want them to idolize a sports figure, uh, instead of one that's in trouble with doing drugs and beating women, um, it should be a guy that almost had his career ended by a traumatic injury and came back and, and is, is just, just kicking ass and taking names. Um, you know, he threw 296 yards, one touchdown. Uh, he, I mean, you can't ask, just the, the whole Washington program, even though that they're five and seven right now, um, you know, there's there's a lot of room for improvement. I think next season, maybe they'll get a name and they can just be that much better. But watching Pittsburgh lose w- was kind of ironic at the end of the day. Um, and of course, the Bills, uh, you know, pumped one over on the 49ers and the Ravens beating the Cowboys. I, I don't know. Are they are they still them boys? Are, are they okay? Um, they're they're looking a little rough. And I don't I don't want to pick on them since uh, uh, you know Dak Prescott got banged out. But man, the Cowboys are looking rough as usual, and it brings a little warm glimmer to my heart. Uh, that's my uh, take on this week. I know you wanted to highlight a couple games. Um, you know, let's well, let, let's start right there with the Dallas Cowboys. You know, Chris, they're not them boys. We'll know whose boys they are. We don't know. The, the thing is, Chris, what we learned about the Dallas Cowboys this season, and I'll say it. Cause listen, once again, I wrote an article about it. And I've said, Chris, that the two biggest problems for the Dallas Cowboys have been coaching and their defense, Chris. And this is what this is why I say schemes important, Chris. This is this team is built to play the four three defense, Chris. And all of a sudden, Mike Nolan, and there's a reason why Mike Nolan ain't been a defensive coordinator there's a, in some years. There's a reason for that, Chris. There's a reason why that's important. There's a reason why you bring him in, 
and he just changes the whole defensive scheme, which which basically, Chris, we never complained about Dallas's defense. Dallas defense wasn't that bad last year. It's just that they couldn't close games. We never said the defense was bad. So you bring in Mike Nolan, who fundamentally changes the scheme of this defense, Chris, and now, and they highlighted it so well, is that Demarcus Lawrence, when you're playing 3-4, Chris, your technique is different. When you're playing 3-4, you got to stand up in a two-point stance. You know, Demarcus Lawrence is a lot better when he's on the ground in the 4-3, Chris. And and I'm not defending the bad Dallas Cowboys play, Chris, but scheme matters. And the talent that you have to utilize said scheme matters, too. So for the Dallas Cowboys right now, listen, it's bad. And it's, you know, as the old song goes, it's the long and winding road for the Dallas Cowboys. But the reality, Chris, is that I'll circle back to the point is that, listen, I'm not saying Dak Prescott deserves all the Russell Wilson money, Chris. I think you know how I feel about that. I think you know exactly how I feel about that. But what I will say is this, Chris. He was the flex seal of this team. Because you know what flex seal is, correct? You're familiar oh, yeah. with flex seal. Oh, yeah. He was – you slapped a big old paint of Dak on this team. That flex seal, Chris, it covered up the biggest of holes and flaws. But, boy, when Dak got hurt, Chris, it was like Hoover Dam, Chris. It all just came apart. All it just came rushing out, Chris. And I'm not saying, but that makes the case for Dak to get paid. Am I? I'm still in the wagon to say Russ money. That's another conversation. But listen, Chris, they gave up almost 300 yards rushing to the Baltimore Ravens. And listen, and I said, and I kind of teased, and I kind of teased to the fact that I was going to apologize to a quarterback. Is it? And I said, is it going to be Baker or is it going to be Lamar? Because, Chris, because I have to apologize to one of them this week. And you know who I'm going to apologize to this week, Chris? Can you guess which quarter I'm going to apologize to? I'm going to say Baker Mayfield because we're, we're usually pretty hard on him. Yeah, you, you know, Chris, I'm going to apologize to Lamar Jackson. And I'm going to explain why. Curveball. Curveball. Here's why. I was under the belief. I'm going to apologize for this reason. If you take Lamar Jackson off that team, Chris, the Ravens wouldn't be where they are. Because, listen, how do I know that? They're 16-1, and one, Chris, when he rushes the ball for 70 more yards. They're 16-1. That's how important he is. Now, people are saying, well, Baker had a – that's what Baker was supposed to be, Chris. I'm not going to apologize to a guy who was the number one overall pick in the draft. That's the guy, Chris. The Cleveland Browns need, and we need consistency, Chris, because let's just face the facts. That receiving core, even before OBJ got hurt, Chris, had a better receiving core than the Baltimore Ravens. I don't know if you agree with me on that. It's it's not like Baker didn't have talent, Chris. But now you're telling me, all of a sudden, people are like, oh, well, we're wrong about Baker. Folks. If you do the one right thing your whole life, I'm going to pat you on the back for. Like, this is what Baker Mayfield should have been. It's like Lamar Jackson. Like, oh, well, Lamar Jackson. Listen, I know what Lamar's problem is. He can't read defenses to save his life. But the reality is, Chris, when he has tucks in the ball, Chris, no one can still stop him from running the ball. You may stop him from passing, but you can't stop him from running. 
So going back to Baker, since since I touched on the subject, he had a great game. You mentioned the stats, Chris. The Raiders, Chris, they're still 20th in the league in passing. Even after that great game, Chris, they're still 28th in the league in passing. Now, Chris, remind me, there are 32 teams in the league, correct? That's correct. So if people are like, oh, you should praise Baker. Oh, but there's Baltimore's worse. But yeah, okay. But Lamar Jackson is more integral to his team than Baker Mayfield. Because you could easily – listen, I don't care if they like me in Cleveland. You could plug in uh, Case Keenum, and I wouldn't see the difference. So there's a reason why – and I said it early on, Chris. There's a reason why they paid a lot of money to, to a backup in Case Keenum. He's proven. Remember that throw in that game against the uh, the Saints when he's with the Vikings, Chris? That won the game. He threw that ball to Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason why. He made the throw. So my point is, is that people are like, oh, well, you the ball to the Baker. Absolutely not. Because they're still 20th in passing up to this point. So week 12, I'm supposed to be like, oh, well, you know what, Chris? I was all wrong about Baker. No, Chris, it's simply like this. Uh, let me give you a scenario, Chris. If you're at a job and you keep telling a certain employee to do something, you, to do something that you've been trying to get them to fix for the last six months, whether it's hey, up their sales or, you know, generate revenue, whatever, Chris, whatever, whatever the scenario is. And then all of a sudden, Chris, your employee has one great quarter. So, Chris, you know what we got to do? We got to stop and throw a party. No. Why, Chris? Because that's what you're supposed to do. The reality, Chris, that's what you're supposed to. Baker Mitchell is supposed to play maybe not to the, you know, 28, you know, 25 or 33, 334. But, Chris, if Baker Mayfield plays like this, and he played this consistently, Chris, I take them more seriously because they have a great defense. I Listen, I like Kevin Stefanski coming in and changing around the philosophy of this organization, Chris, because to me, you have to convince the people in the building where you can convince the people outside of the building that you can do well. Because if they don't believe they can win and succeed, Chris, how can we believe they can win and succeed? Yeah. No, so, it's, so can't, I can't argue that point. So, you know, so that's my whole thing on Baker. But I want to go back to the Giants, Chris. That was a big win. Colt McCoy, his first win in six years as a starting quarterback. You know, kudos to Colt McCoy. He's a good dude. Good dude. You, you hear people talk about Colt McCoy, you hear nothing but good things. What, and you talk about their defense, Chris, is that you read my mind. Because when I saw that game, Wayne Gallman, 16 carries, 135 yards, and that defense won that game because they sacked Russell Wilson five times. And what's impressive about the New York Giants, Chris, is that their defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, his scheme and listen, I was one of those guys who was big on, you know, when Leonard Williams from the your Jets got traded to the Giants. I'm like, Leonard Williams was 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 a stud when if you put him in the right system. Leonard Williams was not trash at for the Jets, but all of a sudden, well, we you're a fan. I don't have to take you down memory lane on that. But <laughs> but you know, before a certain coaching staff got there, Leonard Williams wasn't that bad. You know, if you, if you look at under Todd, you know, under Todd Bowles, that defense was great. All of a sudden, you bring in Adam Gase, and you know, I'm not going to get into that either. But the point is, Chris, Leonard Williams comes in, and he's looking like the guy who was a top-ten pick. 
Why? Because if you put the right people in the right situations, Chris, they're going to succeed. That's the same thing about the Dallas Cowboys. A, a large part of that, Chris, is that when you change the scheme of a, of, of a defense, especially, it you know, players are some people are built for three, four, some people are built for four, three. So it's like this. <laughs> Dominican Sue is not a two-point stance guy. Usually give an example. He plays great in the four, three. He plays great on the ground. The reality here is, Chris, is, is that going back to that Giants game, what you saw was you saw different schemes that, listen, that Seattle offense just couldn't figure out. And they got to a very mobile Russell Wilson five times. And let me tell you, Chris, listen, for the Giants, they've won three straight road games in the season. The last time they did that, Chris, was back in 2011. And that's when they went to the Super Bowl. Not saying that's going to happen this year, but they have 100 rushing yards in seven straight games, Chris. Remember when we said this team is done without Saquon Barkley? They were done. Yeah, we 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 pretty much put a fork in them and uh, sh- shut them off. Yeah, and then they're they're still running the ball effectively, and they had two sacks in each of their 12 games this season. Goes back to your point made about the defense, Chris. We don't give enough credit to Patrick Graham in that defense. We all we talk about is you know we talk about the run game and we talk about the you know Patrick Graham has that defense because once again, I, I I make the point that that Leonard Williams is a huge part of that defense and that trade that was made I believe last season. It helped because they knew what he could bring to this football team because they knew the scheme. They hired the – here's the key, Chris. This is what the whole – I hope Cowboy fans are listening. See, when you hire a coordinator, evaluate your staff in terms of your players. Look at your look at your defense, Chris. That's And you, and you bring in a guy who can make the scheme work. Don't yep. bring in a guy – don't bring in a guy who just comes in and goes – listen, Demarcus Lawrence who great in the 4-3, all of a sudden you're asking him to stand. That's not who he is. So I hope Cowboy fans make a note of that. You know, you know, they, they have a lot of space, you know, you know, dusting off those 1990 trophies. You know, if they're not, you know, get out the closet there and write that down. As for Seattle, Chris, Seattle's not bad, but Chris, here's the thing. And you know I love Russell Wilson. He's going to get MVP votes, but he ain't going to win the MVP. I'm no, off that wagon. Not this season. I th- not this season. Chris, Russell Wilson has been sacked 40 times in eight straight seasons. So imagine, at least 40 times, Chris, this man has been sacked at least 320 times in eight years. And that's not something by his design. That's a, a failure of yeah. protection. Yeah, but it speaks to my point, Chris, is that you're not Seattle has not protected their asset, and they never have. I can't recall the last time they invested a first-round pick into an offensive line, like how other teams do. And I think that's a huge problem. I remember one year they drafted that Rashard Penny, and they were a great offensive lineman on the board. It's like, what are you doing? No, like, are you trying to get Russ to run all the way to Canada? Because that's where he has to run to get protected. That border is going to protect the border. Yeah, and that's the only thing that's going to protect Russell Wilson. So, and and another game I wanted to highlight was the Bills and 49ers. And this game is more so to talk about Josh Allen, Chris, because I don't know if we recall, you know, I love quarterbacks. And I think out of the, the guys that were drafted in 2018, you know, Josh Allen is looking like maybe the maybe the best quarterback out of that class. Because, Chris, this is what he did. 
and this is what I talk about with developing of quarterbacks, Chris, is that look at the development from year two to year three. Like year one, like Peyton Manning didn't have a great year one. I'm, you know, you, you, I'm not saying you toss year one out the books, but year one is learning the speed of the game. It's learning protections. It's learning the NFL, essentially. So year two for Josh Allen was not particularly great. I wasn't a fan of it. And I said, you know, in our pregame, you know, when we did our predictions, Chris, remember who? Remember, I said that Josh Allen was the key to Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills being a Super Bowl contending team. Because yeah. if you look at there, there's no flaws on this team, except I felt if Josh Allen could take that leap and he took that leap and then some, he's he's throwing the ball more on target. You know, he's he not, you know, not many bad throws. He's effective. And they're six to zero when he throws the ball 300 more yards. And listen, Chris, and this is another thing. Kudos to the Bills management because once again, you know what the Bills management did? Okay, you know what? Let's get him Stephon Diggs. Did they really need a receiver, Chris? No, but it doesn't hurt to get Stephon Diggs. It doesn't well, hurt at all. That Diggs was that that senior leader receiver that was also a deep threat and incredibly fast. Um, it, exactly. You know, and, that's that's and it, it's almost like Diggs kind of got overshadowed when he was in uh, when he was in Minnesota. Yeah, he did. As a great, great receiver. And sometimes it's hard to have two great receivers on one team with a, with a, one arguably one of the best running backs in the league and then a great tight end on top of that. You know, I mean, with Dalvin Cook and, and Rudolph and then you got Thielen lining up on uh on the other side, there's just a line. You can't always get the ball. And I think sometimes too, I, I just, I don't think Diggs and cousins necessarily had the, the best chemistry. No. And, and, and sometimes I think that shows on the field and the way that Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs operate, you know, I, I remember you know, when we did our fantasy draft and I picked up Diggs super early, you know, people were laughing at me for doing that. You know, I wasn't I, I wasn't because I think I said it. I said I said, dang it. He got somebody I was looking at. I mean, to cut you off mm-hmm. because we both saw the like Stephon Diggs is look. All you got to do, Chris, is that, listen, he passed the numbers test and he passed the eye test. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you, you yeah. weren't wrong getting him early. You were right on the ball there. Yeah. And, and you know, the ironic thing is, is the same people that were making fun of me. And it was in it's in another league I'm in, and I don't want to call him out. The same person that was actually busting my balls the worst for drafting digs ended up coughing up a second round pick for him later on in yeah. the season. So, yeah. sweet you know, irony, irony, baby, irony. But yeah, I mean, hats off to to Allen and Diggs. And again, it's one of those things that you you, you got to go out and go plug the pieces in and work with the people that you have. And that's just something that, uh, you know, some teams have a hard time doing, you know, they hire these coordinators, they can't figure out the schemes with their players. And then, you know, sometimes and you get in situations like Cleveland where they're starting to really, uh, you know, I, I, I almost sound like a 17 year old female teenager. They're finding themselves, and you know Cleveland is 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 finding themselves as an organization. How did and, we get uh, here? You know, I know, I know. It's it sounds batshit crazy. I I think I think with Baker Mayfield, I think he's humbling himself a little bit. His attitude's starting to chill out. 
and he's starting to become more of a cerebral quarterback. And, you know, maybe in a couple of years, God knows what could happen. They, they, they get the pieces they're missing on offense. I, I think if they had a, a, an upgraded offensive line piece, you know, maybe like a left guard, left tackle, mm-hmm. I, I think we could, we could have, they might be the new Kings of the AFC North. Yeah, oh, oh, absolutely, Chris. And the thing is, with with the Cleveland Browns, Chris, they had a very good draft. They had a very good draft because they addressed the offensive line. They went on and signed Jack Conklin from Tennessee. And you can see the difference in how Tennessee's old line is looking now as opposed to they did last year with Jack Conklin. That's why they paid Jack Conklin. And look at the work he's doing for Nick Chubb. Look at his runs and look where Nick Chubb is going. Just spot the just spot Conklin on the back of the jersey, and you can guess that's where on the side of the field he's going. That's Cleveland because when you hire adults, Chris, you get you get results. When you get Pee Wee's Playhouse, like and I'll say it, Chris, and I like the New York Jets. Because listen, I saw that game, and I said, listen, I felt real good, Chris. I picked the Jets. I said I feel real good. I felt real good because you know how I feel about John Gruden. I felt real good. I was going to come on here and bust on John Gruden and go, ha, ha, ha. And then the ball went in the air, and that happened. It felt like the last shot of a basketball game where they do the slow motion. And then what I saw the corner missed, I'm like, oh, boy, they're, the Raiders are going to win this game. And, Chris, here's the thing. It... Greg Williams, Chris, I understand. Was the did it look bad? Yes, but Chris, why in the why in the Sam Bunker Hill do you fire the coordinator and this coach Adam out of Gase still has a job? It's amazing to me. That that's on ownership. That's what I mean. And I'm going to make another point with two other teams in a minute, Chris. You know, one team had the stones to do something that they should have did a long time time ago. You know, listen for the Jets, Chris. What are you waiting for? My whole point is is that by them, this is a theory, Chris. I don't know if you'll agree. By them not firing Adam Gage, you know what that's telling me, Chris, is that they think the job is not good. They, because they, they're keeping Gates. Because listen, my Falcons, listen, listen. We tossed Dan Quinn out. We gave, you know, I personally went down to, to Georgia and drove, you know, and went down there and helped him pack his boxes and left. Bill O'Brien got fired because he can't know the concept of equal value in trading. And so, if those organizations fired their coaches early on, Chris. That means that they got a head start to look at other candidates. And somehow Adam Gase, like I said, it's it's one of the mysteries of the world. And 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 my biggest thing is that the Jets job, it's not completely trash, Chris, but you keep this is devaluing the job because Adam Gase. And here's the thing, and I'm not saying the GM is no better either. Listen, I'm not blaming That's, I'm not blaming yeah, I'm not <laughs> <laughs> I'm not blaming him for making the Jamal Adams trade because listen, he did it because he he felt that Jamal Adams wasn't gonna he didn't want to be there. So but but at least he got a first round pick. You're telling me the general manager of the New York Jets 
got value and Bill O'Brien didn't? I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that on that point. But, you know, last week I talked about, you know, the line they have fired Matt Patricia and the GM Bob Quinn. And I talked about, Chris, you have to understand the difference between when to fire a coach, when to fire a GM, or when to fire both. And for the for the Lions, Chris, this is this is why Bob Quinn had to go. Because Bob Quinn was there since 2015. Here's the thing, Chris. He was 32 and 43. He was fired and been there for almost five years. Get him out of there. And then you hire Matt Patricia. Oh, he, you know, you know, excuse me, he was 32, 43, and one. Excuse me. I didn't want to get that tie messed up in the league book. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. So, and then the head coach, Matt Patricia, hire him. 30, 13, 29, and one. Since 2018, you fired after two plus years. So people are like, oh, well, the, no, here's here's why Bob Quinn deserved the box. Because the coach before him, Jim Caldwell, went 36 and 28, Chris. From 2014 to 2017, he was fired by Bob Quinn after going nine and seven. Because in Bob Quinn mind, the expectations, sir, this is the Detroit Lions. You ain't the Pittsburgh Steelers. You ain't the New England Patriots. Chris, you're not even the San Francisco 49. What are your expectations? This is Detroit. The fact that you won nine games, you should have gave Caldwell the key to the city. That's what you should have did, but what did you do? You fired him. So guess what? If that Matt Patricia didn't work out, he had to go to. Throw the bathwater out, throw everything out, Chris. Everything. The sink. Get get all new interior design, Chris. Just throw it all out. Because if because right now, Chris, if I'm Matt, Matthew Stafford, Chris, you know what I'm thinking about doing? I'm demanding a trade, Chris. Because you saw the last two line players, they retired, Chris. Matthew Stafford deserves better than this. I think about guys like Matt Stafford. Because it's completely ridiculous to me that you would fire Jim Caldwell, a guy who nine and seven and you fire him, and a guy who just in, in two years basically had four more wins than the guy you fired who had in one year. Nine yeah. and but no, let's fire. But here's another gem that I keep hearing with the Bears. Listen, I hate to say I told you so about the Bears, America. But listen, I'm like what like you know, Denny Green, the head coach, said. The Bears are who we thought they were, and I ain't letting them off the hook. I told you. Listen, they could have smoke of the Bear quarterback, and it still wouldn't help. Here's the thing, Chris. GM Ryan Pace, he's been there for six years, Chris. He's 39 and 53 as a general manager. Because we talk about the head coaches and their records, but we'll talk about the GMs, Chris, and that's the reality. And before I wrap up, listen, Matt Nagy, 25 and 19, it's not his fault because you know who drafted Mitchell Trubisky? Uh, Ryan Pace. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently, apparently, this man did not send a scout. Chris, this man didn't send a scout to watch Deshaun Watson. This man didn't bother looking at Patrick Mahomes, Chris. And you traded up, Chris. That's what makes it fireable to me. Yeah. It's like the Bears, if the Bears would have stayed put in Dr. Trubisky, it would have been bad, Chris. But the fact that you traded up 
You're like, Trubisky's going to be the next Elway. And this dude is like, listen, Rex Grossman went to a Super Bowl. Just saying. Mitch Trubisky, you know, you know, listen. Well, you know what? Before I get too heated, you know, speaking of speaking of, you know, decisions, good and bad. Let's go into your your fantasy. And listen, it's that time where, Chris, we're winding down toward the playoff push. If if not already for some, you know, for some leagues. So I'm just going to toss to you. Give us your starting set them. Right now for fantasy. Yeah, man. Week week fourteen. Uh, you've neither already secured your playoff spot and you're just laughing your way to the bank, or uh, you're like me and you're you're fighting and clawing uh, that, and and you're in a situation where you need to win a game and someone needs to lose a game, and, and it's this whole conundrum and it sucks. But we've made it, boys. We've made it. Week fourteen. Um, so your typical thing starting with quarterback working our way down. Uh, your your guarantee starts your Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, Russ, uh, you know your typicals. Uh, so going into your strong starts, uh, these are guys that you're gonna have uh, some some downhill uh, battles to fight, and those are always fun. Uh, Josh Allen going uh, to Pittsburgh. Um, this one I think is just he, he's gonna go buck wild, especially since. Uh, uh, Pittsburgh's going to be kind of in a rut and from that stunning loss. I think he's going to capitalize. Lamar Jackson playing against Cleveland. Even though we talked about Cleveland's uh, stellar defense, I think they're, they have a limited pass defense, and I think this is going to be um, just an outright massacre for Lamar Jackson. Uh, Tom Brady going to Minnesota. Um, he coming off a bye week, and I definitely think that the players are going to be rested and ready to roll. And we're gonna see some uh, some some heads turn. Taysom Hill going into Philadelphia. Um, I think that he is gonna be um, uh, the wow factor for uh, New Orleans as long as Drew Brees is out. Uh, Matthew Stafford going against Green Bay. Even though uh, we, we're sitting there bashing him, he's still a great quarterback. And the Packers give up double digits in almost every single game this season. So. Um, Let's watch out for that. And then Phillip Rivers from the Colts going to uh, to Vegas. We we know how Las Vegas' defense is, and Phillip Rivers has been on a tear as of late. Uh, for your DFS bargains for DraftKings and FanDuel, you can buy Jalen Hurts and Ryan Tannehill for fairly cheap. Both of them, I think, will be uh, A-OK in the, in the, uh, the DFS leagues. Some of your weaker starts, uh, Kyler Murray from the Cardinals going against the Giants. Um, I definitely think the Giants are playing hot right now. So expect them to stay hot, especially after that real motivating win against Seattle. Uh, Deshaun Watson from uh, Houston going against Chicago. Um, he he lost a fumble late in the game against the Colts, and I think it's only going to get worse. Plus, you got an angry Bears defense that's pissed off that their offense can't play for shit. Uh, Matt Ryan going to the Chargers. Um, you know, I, I don't expect him to have a stellar game. There's I, I don't know what's going on, but something ain't right. Uh, Kirk Cousins, even though he uh, had a, a, a he's had a, a couple good games, um, Tampa's defense is just scary. They're they're just they're scary, uh, and that and that's about the only nice way I can put it. Um, Derek Carr going against Indianapolis, same situation. Uh, the Colts defense is is going to be uh, immaculate. 
Uh, even though Cam Newton swept the other team in L.A., I don't expect him to do the same thing with the Rams, so he might have to, to pipe down a little bit. Uh, and then uh, Jared Goff, uh, you know, same situation on the other side of the ball. It's a Super Bowl 53 rematch. Uh, and this is just going to be a very quarterback unfriendly game. Uh, going down for your running backs, um, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, uh, Derek Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, Chris Carson, Jonathan Taylor. You know, if you don't know these by now, just stop all your head. Keep an eye if you got Chris McCaffrey. So apparently he did not practice. Uh, if he doesn't show up in the Friday practice, more than likely he will not play Sunday. Um, he's got some type of quad issue that he's fighting now. Been, it's been a rough year if you're a CMC owner like me. Um, strong starts, Miles Gaskin from the Dolphins going against Kansas City. Um, he, he went big volume against the Bengals, and you should see the same situation going against Kansas City. Uh, Melvin Gordon going against Carolina. Um, he definitely had a vintage game uh, last week against the Chiefs. I think expect him to do the same. They're starting to see how he's working. Um, DeAndre Swift going against Green Bay. We all know that Green Bay's defense isn't the absolute best this season, so expect them to have a good game. And then AP is a secondary behind him. That's going to offer some value. Uh, Giovanni Bernard going against the uh, Cowboys. Cincinnati is, really hasn't done anything as of late, but you got a different quarterback, and you've got a favorable matchup against Dallas's piss-poor defense. Uh, some of your DFS bargains for DraftKings and FanDuel, David Montgomery from Chicago, and uh, Ronald Jones from Tampa. Um, I definitely think coming off of a bye week, he's going to have healthy legs and going against a Vikings defense. So it mainly bottles up to if he gets more snap time than Fournette or not. Uh, your weaker starters, James Conner uh, from Pittsburgh going against Buffalo's defense. Buffalo's defense opts out on the short pass. They, they love to cover those, and they also got a pretty stout run defense, so keep your, keep your eyes on the ball on that one. Uh, Kareem Hunt, the Ravens just don't give up a lot of reception yards to running backs, plus with Nick Chubb coming back, Hunt is a very uh, TD-dependent person at this point in the league. Uh, Damian Harris, if the, uh, you know, if the Rams can stuff him, it's going to be a long day for him. And then also it's up to the touch count between uh, him, James White, and Sony Michelle. Uh, Miles Sanders going against New Orleans. Um, well, it's, you know, it's Philadelphia. <laughs> you know, there's really not much we can say about it. Uh, David Johnson going against the Texans. Um, or, excuse me, David Johnson from the Texans going against Chicago. Uh, Johnson just hasn't really been the same on the ground. He really hasn't seen too much. Um, and, you know, we're just going to kind of roll with it. Uh, Ty Johnson, you know, he, he could have some flex volume based on uh, PPR leagues, uh, catching a lot of dump offs. But I think Seahawks are going to come back. They're staying in New York or excuse me, you know, they're staying with the New York team. And I think they're going to have an absolute just hell of a game against the Jets. I think Russell Wilson is going to take his anger out on them very efficiently. Uh, wide outs, you know, your typical starters, D-Hop, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Stephon Diggs, Tyler Lockett, D DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams. Again, if you don't know him, stop all your head. Some of your strong starts are going to be Marvin Jones Jr. going against uh, Green Bay. Uh, Jones kind of came out of a shell late season, and he's been definitely a force to be reckoned with. And then also with the situation with uh, – I'm drawing a brain fart. Their other main Kenny, – uh, Kenny Galladay um, with, with all his situations going on. Jones has really started showing last season's numbers this season, finally. Uh, Robbie Anderson is going to be a huge, strong start with uh, DJ Moore going out under COVID protocol. Robbie Anderson already gets a lot of looks, but when your number one receiver goes down and the number two becomes number one, expect there to be a fun time. 
Uh, Brandon Ayak uh, from the 49ers going against Washington. Um, I think him and Debo Samuel are going to be the Batman and Robin of that game. Um, we'll see how Washington covers, though, but I expect both of them to have a great game. Uh, Jarvis Landry, since he's just, he's running red hot, he's a really only uh, valued receiver. Even though Baltimore's got a pretty good run defense, expect Landry just to get a lot of touches. Uh, one of the most underrated uh, wideouts this season is Cole Beasley. Um, he's killing it out of the slot, and he, especially with Brown being out, um, I think it's only going to get better. T.Y. Hilton have an, an outright amazing outside matchup against Vegas. T.Y. Hilton came out of a shell uh, last week. He scored the most points of the season for him, uh, so I hope that that trend continues for him. Um, I think Jamison Crowder and Brashad Perryman will both have big days um, against a, a, an outright terrible secondary from uh, Seattle. And I think we might also see some tempers flare because you got Jamal Adams in the other side of the ball and playing the team he didn't exactly love. Uh, and then, of course, Mike Williams going from the Chargers, um, going against Atlanta. I think he's going to get a couple big TDs. Atlanta's defense is in the same situation. They're just they're 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 not looking pretty. Your DFS bargains uh, for DraftKings and FanDuel. You got Corey Davis from the Titans and Antonio Brown on the Bucks. Both of them you can buy low and sell high and make a lot of points off of them. Um, Corey Davis had a very explosive week last week, and I think going against Jacksonville, it's only going to get better. Um, some of your weaker starts, you're going to want to put throw on the bench. Marquise Brown from the Ravens. Um, he's too like big play dependent to trust, and he, unless he's banging out these uh, 40, 50 yard passes, I think he's pretty much all but useless. Um, DJ Chark from Jacksonville, Chark and Glennon, they just don't got a connection. I don't, I don't see it there, so I think uh, we're going to have to plug him out. Uh, Kiki, uh, Coty, same situation. He's just in a rough spot playing against the Chicago defense. Uh, Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard from the Giants. Um, they both kind of faded together because the, the Giants running game, as we've talked about, has been the dominating factor. Um, and it's going to be the same situation with Jerry Judy from the Broncos. Um, it's the, the run game is taking over. Um, on the other side of the ball for the Giants game, Christian Kirk, um, he's kind of disappeared again. Uh, I think D-Hop is going to uh, be the main main situation there. Uh, and then Sammy Watkins, he just he doesn't get enough target consideration, and especially going against Miami's defense. Miami's a, a, a very solid defense, which hurts me to say. Um, but they're, they're a solidified defense, and uh, when you got all this other talent in Kansas City, it's like we talked about with the Gators. When you got a tight end that's a monster, you got wideouts that are monsters, running backs that are monsters, you're kind of sitting on the back of the depth chart. You're not really looked at as much. Uh, last but not least, circling in the tight ends, your regular stars, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, Gronkowski, uh, TJ Hokinson. Your stronger starts going to be Hunter Henry going from the Chargers going against the Falcons. I think he's going to have a really big-time rebound game, and I feel bad picking on your Falcons, but you know we, we know the situation they're in. Uh, Eric Ebram, I think he's going to get a lot of looks in Buffalo. That's their only weak spot on defense is their linebacker core. Uh, Noah Fant from the Broncos going against Carolina. Same thing with the situation. The Panthers have awesome secondary out on and corners and safeties. Linebacker core, not so much. Uh, Jordan Reed, again, uh, revenge game narrative uh, that I think will actually play out here. Uh, the only DFS bargain I got is Anthony Fersker from the Titans. You can buy low, sell low. Um, and then also with the situation with uh, without Johnny Smith, keep your keep your wits about you. Uh, your weaker starts, Dallas Goder from the Eagles, Evan Ingram from the Giants, Logan Thomas from Washington, 
uh, Kevin Rudolph from the Vikings. All of these guys are playing secondaries that are tough and a linebacker core that is tough. Um, and then also with Jared Cook, um, he doesn't go chase those random TDs. And then also it just seems like Taysom Hill just doesn't look his way a lot. Uh, that's what I got for the stardom and sit Hopefully everyone's where they're at and where they want to be in their fantasy league. If not, it sucks to suck. I'm right there with you. And uh, best of luck to everybody, except if you play me or if I need you to lose so I can go in the playoffs. Oh, always, Chris, always the inspiring words that you always give. It's I, I kind of consider you kind of like King Leonidas when he led the 300. <laughs> this this <laughs> boxer! <laughs> That's a great impression. Jesus Christ. Uh, oh, boy. Always know to go on a high note, Chris. But, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think from a fantasy standpoint, I, I can relate because I'm not I'm not going to lie. I made it. I traded for uh, DK Metcalf. And I don't know if you saw the trade and when the, you know, the trade deadline was yep, going bing, I'm the bing, one that bing, had boom. to approve it. Yeah. And and I and I said to myself, you know, I was in a position where I had to make a decision because I I, I fell. Like I say, the week before, what I will say is that I thought I had a favorable matchup. And you know what matchup I'm talking about? I won't say the name of the matchup huh? for the sake for, for the sake of the, the listeners or and or if this individual does listen, which they probably do. Be my luck. I get some kind of DM or email anyway. And that particular week, she, you know, oh, well, she's a she, I gave that away. Sorry, America. But this person had, I think, two of the top players of fantasy that week. And it kind of deflated me. I'm not going to lie. It, it was deflating, Chris. It, it was. It, How do you think I feel, bud? I, I drafted the best team in the league, and then I'm plagued with injuries, so I trade and get more high-end players, and then they get injured. So now not only am I trying to make a playoff push because I don't have an option, but now I have no draft picks for next season. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You know what, Chris? Don't feel bad because I think when we were talking about the trade deadline, I was. I think I have a first round, and I was willing to part. I think I parted with my second or third round pick because – and it was people understand it was a tough decision because like you said, Chris, you really have to know where you 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 have to know where your team stands. And if you and I looked at the schedule and I said, well, I think I I'm good enough to get in. I didn't say I was good enough to win it, but you know it's all about hey you get in the dance. Hey, it's just like you know March Madness. Hey, Chris, you get in the dance. Hey, you never know. You you never know. And 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 that's how I kind of felt from that regard. So. I mean, I said good luck to everybody because, like I said, you know, I'm in the same boat as you, Chris. Chris, I put it this way: if you extend that deadline anymore, Chris, I probably wouldn't even have a first round pick. So, you know, to, to be perfectly honest, I try to be fair. You know, I, I I try to be. I try to, especially with COVID and everything. This uh, this season is is definitely been a hard one so i've been trying to give everyone the same opportunity and it may have came back and bit me in the ass but you know i gotta do what i gotta do well that's why i say listen you, it, it's been tough and like i say you know 
Um, at the time before we wrap up, we could talk about our rosters a little bit before we wrap up is that I think, Chris, the biggest thing that happened to you was Christian McCaffrey getting hurt. I yeah. think that I think that you built it. And I know, listen, I noticed how the other teams in the league building their roster around, especially their keeper, because we have a, it's a keeper league. So you essentially have to build, you know, build around your keeper. It sounds obvious. But building around Chris McCaffrey, the team you had, Chris, I mean, if everybody was healthy, Chris, I, I'm not lying to you because I think you know me long enough not to lie to you. You you could probably you could have been this division you know this league would have been a lot the, the lot lot further away in the context of listen we'd be chasing you yeah because yeah, all, all all jokes aside I mean you know the problem I had is my my keeper who naturally your keeper's always going to be a first round draft pick naturally mm-hmm. my first round draft pick got hurt and then my actual first round pick got hurt my second round pick got hurt and my third round pick got hurt. And at that point, I just had to scramble. I had Austin Eckler go down. I had, you know, George Kittle go down, mm-hmm. McCaffrey go down, you know, uh, Ridley was out for a few games. You know, it, uh, it's hard to come back from all that. And then when I started making trades for other players and they started going down, I'm like, well, son of a bitch. Yeah. And, and, and that's what sucks, because ironically enough, I traded the keeper I had to you. Yep. Because, because listen, because listen, I'm not saying Chris is like a sweet talker. Well, maybe he is, but, but you know, I I got a deal for you know I'll say it now because I, I was ashamed to say it, but why should I be ashamed? I had Russell Wilson on my roster, and then all of a sudden someone came to my you know fancy you know my virtual fantasy office, which is 24/7 even if I'm not in the office, and they gave me a deal that I felt like the Godfather that I just couldn't refuse. Because they handed me Aaron Rodgers, and I'm like, what do I have to give up? And it, and I felt the value that I got for Aaron Rodgers was pretty good. So so I essentially had two, arguably, two of the top ten quarterbacks in fantasy. So I'm like, it, it made the decision harder who was going to start every week. So I had to figure out every week who I was going to start. But but then you came, and you had – I forgot the player who we traded. I, I forgot who at the top of my head. But – I said I was willing to part with that, you know, you were willing to part. I was willing to part with Russell Wilson. And I said, because I, I had Travis Kelsey, I said, you know, I think Travis Kelsey right now might be the keeper. He might be. Because I think he's been the more dependable guy I've had on my roster. So, so like I said, a lot of decisions go into fantasy. And I think, like I say, injuries, and then you throw injuries on top of COVID, that it's it's a cake nobody wants to eat. You know, it's it's that's, like a that's putting it mildly. It's like a prune cake with you know with with prune juice. Like, listen, if you like prune juice and prune cake, my apologies to the prune. There's community. a special place in hell for you. Yeah, well, I was not near the fire because that might never mind. But, <laughs> but but before we wrap up, you know, just give out you know to to stay connected to the podcast or social media. It's at Sports World on both Twitter and Instagram. And on Facebook, it's Sports in the World. You go in there, posting content, and you get to listen to this episode and every episode wherever podcasts can be heard. And my personal Twitter is at Ladares underscore Brown. And, and Chris, I keep forgetting, you know, we've done so many shows together. U- UFC your, Pretend Twitter. UFC Pretend Twitter. It's great stuff. It's so good that it just it's like the vanishing effect now. 
you 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 see it and then it just goes. So that's how good his that's how good that Twitter is. And <laughs> and then my Instagram is at the big nerd seventy seven and for Chris at it's Christogram. So anything else you want to say, Chris, before we put a bow on this episode? Uh, you know what? That that celebrity boxing match that happened between uh, oh god L- Logan Paul and that uh, I can't even remember the guy's name. I oh, mean, yeah, he Nate got Robinson. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he got memed so hard, and it was so great. Now that was a good fight, and uh, A. Robinson definitely got his jaw jacked. He was talking loud, and he got put in his place. So I mean, hats off to Logan <laughs> Paul for doing that, but. You're going to step in the ring with Floyd Money Mayweather. And, and let's be upfront and clear. We all know I'm not the biggest fan of Mayweather. I respect him as a boxer, though. You're stepping in with arguably the, the greatest boxer of our generation. And you're out there flapping your gums at him. Uh, reap what you sow, my man. Um, he's not an angry, pissed-off uh, shooting guard on a, on a subpar basketball team. He's literally an undefeated professional boxer, so just let that sink in. Just little by little, let that sink in. That's, that's, I'm just going to leave it on that. They're fighting, I want to say, in January or February. It's already been, the deal's been finalized and all that. Um, uh, good luck and Godspeed, pal, because you're going to need a whole lot of both. Yeah, because here's the thing, Chris. Before we wrap up, I'm just going to simply leave it like this, how you say. See, we have to understand. When you step into somebody else's world, I tend to have this great proclivity, Chris, to give the advantage to that person. Listen, as much as Conor McGregor is a great guy in the octagon, it's a whole different beast when you get in the, you get in between in the, you know, you get in between the and listen, and we're talking about now a guy, Logan Paul, who I, I think I think his brother married a Tanya Moji. One of the married I, I follow her on Instagram. She's a good follower. But, Chris, he ain't knocking out Floyd Mayweather. Chris, if he knocks out Floyd Mayweather, Chris, I will literally sell all of my earthly possessions, and I will become a monk if that happens. I will. Because there's no way that Floyd Mayweather is touching the canvas Except with his feet, when he's when he when he's, that's gonna be it. I'm gonna leave it at that. I you know listen. I, I hope he's getting a lot of money for it because listen, he's gonna need a lot of money for dental work. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. And, and speaking for all I gotta say, that's all I gotta say for this episode, of the Sports of the World podcast. And until you hear us again, I'm Benarius and I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe from all of us here from the Sports and the World podcast. See ya.